0: Hello, and welcome back to Cinema at First Sight. Today, I am joining you with the company of myself. It's just me, one-on-one, back at it again, alone in my room. If this is your first time tuning in, then hello, welcome. The premise of this podcast is that I will tackle either the first episode of a TV show or the first half of a movie, and make a judgment call based solely on my initial impression using as little information as possible to be judgmental. So, as always, that's what we're going to do today. I am going to tackle the first half of Cruella, which is a prequel to the Disney classic 101 Dalmatians. This version stars Academy Award winner Emma Stone. I'm pretty keen to get into it. So let's do just that, first question, is this a rewatch or is this a first time watch? This is a first time watch, it's just come out, it's at the movies, it's on Disney Plus, very easily accessible for all. I am one of those people who was able to easily access it. So before I get into how I felt about it, I'm going to delve into some basic plot points. This movie is a hefty two hours and 13 minutes long, so I'll try and keep my recap of the first hour and seven minutes as brief as possible. The movie begins as we're introduced to Estella in her childhood, who was weirdly born with black and white hair and is very creative and into fashion, but is also low-key evil and very chaotic. The side of her that chooses violence, her mom nicknames Cruella, and she starts taking over more and more as she's introduced to the toxic masculinity of her prepubescent primary school classmates. Her super traditional straight-laced principal isn't here for it, so he kicks her out, and then Estella and her mum plan to move to London. However, on their journey, Catherine makes a pit stop at a fancy party with a bunch of people who are weirdly dressed like Marie Antoinette and tells Estella to wait in the car. However, does she? Absolutely not. She instead breaks in with her dog in tow to admire the fashion from afar, until said dog spots a couple of Dalmatians and completely loses its chill. She tries to make a run for it, is chased by a gaggle of Dalmatians who, instead of going after her and stopping, continue running towards her mum, who's meanwhile been having a chat with a random woman on a cliff's edge, and the dogs end up tragically pushing her off. A brutal, pessimistic opener. So now an orphan, Estella sets out for London, where she meets two other parentless children, Jasper and Horace, who straight up look like cast members from Oliver, and they decide to stick together on the streets and become pickpockets. Charles Dickens, he shakes. Estella dyes her hair to make herself less conspicuous, and we now cut to Estella 10 years later, who is now portrayed by Emma Stone. Still getting by as a thief, Estella manages to get really good at designing and making fashion by whipping up disguises for the three of them. However, she still clearly longs for a better life. So, for her birthday, Jasper and Horace get her a job as a cleaner at the highbrow Liberty Department store. Which she unfortunately manages to stuff up pretty quickly after one night she drunkenly remakes one of the window displays. However, the Baroness, who is a haute couture designer played by absolute queen Emma Thompson is incredibly impressed, and offers Estella a job, and she pretty much becomes her go-to minion. However, tea begins to brew when Estella spots the Baroness wearing a necklace that her mother Catherine used to own, and then she puts two and two together that the random woman her mother was talking to that night at the party before the Dalmatians pushed her off a cliff was indeed the Baroness. Estella then decides that she needs the necklace for herself, so hits up a local dress shop run by gender non-defying fashionista Artie, picks an iconic outfit, dyes her hair back to its original black and white colour, and officially brings back Cruella to cause a scene and distract everyone at one of the Baroness's parties while Jasper and Horace search for the necklace. This isn't super successful because unfortunately the Baroness is wearing said necklace at the party, but... What we do discover that night is that she also has a high-pitched whistle that she uses to command her Dalmatians to attack people when she wants them to. So therefore, what happened to Catherine wasn't an accident and the Baroness straight up murdered Estella's mother. Estella is obviously shocked and hurt and angry, but most of all, she's in the mood for revenge. She vows to become Cruella permanently and only pretend to be a stellar at work so she can take down the Baroness for good and begin a descent to losing her moralistic way. Temporarily? Who knows? Because that's officially the halfway point and where we're leaving off today. What a dramatic mid-movie cliffhanger. Also, what a complicated plot for a children's movie. But that's neither here nor there. Let's get into some deconstruction. First question, what are some of my favourite moments or moments that I consider to be most exciting or most pivotal? Honestly, I think everything. It's genuinely really, really good. So far, it's a story centred entirely around a female character, which I love. Or actually two female characters, Emma Stone, Emma Thompson. And I love that the story doesn't involve romance at all. Like, not only is it not a part of the main plot or the sole goal of the character to be in a relationship, it's literally not featured. Will that change? I don't know, but so far, I'm living for it. Though, admittedly, it is really sad that this is a novelty. Another one of my favorite moments would have to be Emma Stone's performance. Obviously, Emma Thompson is phenomenal as always, but the film's called Cruella, so it really is riding on Emma Stone, and oh my God, does she deliver. I'll get into more detail later in my character breakdown but she manages to be flamboyant and extra and over the top and everything you want from a disney villain while also maintaining a semblance of humanity so that you're able to empathize with her and sympathize with her struggles and root for her you wanted to take down emma thompson and that's a difficult divide to straddle but straddle it she does I think another one of my favourite moments would actually have to be the soundtrack. There are so many great songs in this movie, it's insane. There's some Queen, there's some Blondie, and also the songs are never-ending. There's almost never a moment where some sort of iconic anthem isn't in the background, even if it's just featured for literally 10 seconds as a scene transition. This may be a slight deep cut, but every song is definitely a contender to be on Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother's Get Psyched Mix. And I think another favourite moment has to be the fashion. Obviously, it's a big part of the plot, but whoever the film's costume designer is really killed it. All the clothes look amazing and they're super creative and that's coming from me, who knows literally nothing about fashion. So kudos, you've impressed the normals. And then this is small, but another one of my favourite moments would have to be that Glenn Close is a producer. We love women supporting women and Cruella's supporting Cruella's. Absolutely always here for it. I think probably the most exciting moment, just objectively speaking, would be when Estella becomes Cruella and crashes the Baroness's party. She definitely is down to cause a scene. It's a black and white themed party, so everyone else is in monochromatic colours, but not Cruella. She rocks up head to toe in red. She said, I'm here for revenge. I'm out for blood and I love colour symbolism. I'm actually weirdly struggling to think of more things that I like about it just because I literally liked everything. Which brings me to my next question. What are my least favorite moments or moments that I consider to be least exciting or least pivotal? Really nothing. I'm enjoying everything. I didn't love watching Estella's mum, Catherine get pushed off a cliff, but also it is a very pivotal moment because it's a big part informing who the character of Estella slash Cruella is and is therefore absolutely necessary. And the movie itself is action-packed and jam-packed with constant character development and fun snappy dialogue with a literal never-ending soundtrack of absolute classics so i don't think that there is ever a moment that isn't exciting or isn't holding your attention and despite the fact that it's super long in the first hour and seven minutes at least there is nothing that can be cut out there's no scene that doesn't feel like it's contributing to a larger picture So moving right along to favorite characters, I have a lot, but first cab off the rank, you have to say Estella slash Cruella. It's a love-hate relationship, but I have to give it to her, she's an icon. Yes, her morals do become blurry, but at least so far she never does anything that crosses the line too much and prevents the audience from rooting for her. She's had a tough life, but she doesn't let that deter her. She's a hard worker. She's also clearly talented. She's a scrappy underdog which is fitting, because this movie is literally filled with dogs. And as I said before, Emma Stone is absolutely smashing it. I've always been an Emma Stone fan, but this really just solidifies and backs up my appreciation of her. She activates full on unapologetic icon mode and manages to be sassy and fierce and broad and extra, but like I was saying before, still hold on to some humanity and earnestness. Also, just on a technical level, the vocal work and physical choices are great. Obviously, Emma Stone is no stranger to putting on an English accent, as we learned from The Favourite, but the vocal and physical differences between Estella and Cruella are super clear. She goes from being softly spoken and meek and not taking up much physical space to speaking with the cadence and pitch range of a cartoon character and flailing around to demand attention very specific choices and very fun choices. I really can't imagine anyone else in the role, which is saying a lot because 25 years ago there was literally someone else in the role. So Emma, love your work. And two more of my favorite characters would have to be Jasper and Horace. I am lumping them in together, but they're both solid sidekicks. Horace is loud and a bit stupid and always eating, which is something I'm actually not the biggest fan of and we'll talk about later. But overall, he's a big source of fumbling comedy. And then Jasper is sweet and caring and willing to do whatever he can to help out Estella. So they have a good dynamic, they contrast each other in a really good way, but they also both care about her a lot and don't exhibit any signs of toxic masculinity, which, considering they're both straight white men in the 1970s, is kind of astounding. A bit anachronistic, if you ask me. But I'll suspend my disbelief. And, I have to say, some more of my favourite characters are the dogs. Estella grows up with a dog named Buddy, and Jasper and Horace have a dog called Winx, who wears an eye patch, and they are both insanely cute. There's nothing like a dog in human clothing to win me over. They're also both very helpful. They're adorable, while also being great accomplices in successfully committing theft. They could really do it all. And another favourite character would be Artie, who owns the vintage dress shop that Estella hits up to become Cruella. He's fabulous. So far, he's only been in two scenes and hasn't really done much except be an icon who dresses almost identically to David Bowie. But that's all I need to be a fan. You've convinced me. And my final favorite character, a bit out of nowhere, is a random employer who was in charge of Estella at the Liberty Department store. I don't even know his name. And he's actually the worst as a human because he's basically treating Estella like a slave. But he is so, so extra for absolutely no reason. And I love it. The way he speaks and emphasizes random words is everything. And this is going to sound odd, but he has such a rubbery face that is almost constantly moving in a way that's almost Jim Carrey-esque. He could literally be the most bland man on earth if he weren't played by an actor making such weird and interesting choices. It just goes to show that there really are no small parts, only small actors. We stand. Now, moving on to least favourite characters, spoiler alert, a much shorter list. It's only got one person on it, and that person is the Baroness. Obviously, she's the worst. Objectively speaking, she's the villain. She's full of herself, she's awful to all of her employees, and most importantly, she's a straight-up murderer. That really seals the deal. The other things, you may be able to forgive, but murdering a woman in cold blood, that's a deal-breaker. She killed Estella's mum, Catherine. What more is there to say? She is, however, also kind of a queen, purely because she's played by powerhouse Emma Thompson. And what a killer performance might I add, pun very much intended. So every cloud has a silver lining. Now, moving on to some storylines that I think will be expanded upon or should be expanded upon or what I want to see more or less of. I want to see less of nothing and I want to see more of everything. I'm just going to put it out there. This is such a great film. I don't even know if I was expecting it to be this good, I don't even know what I was going and expecting, but it surpassed whatever that was. But in terms of what I think will go down in the second half of the film, I think that Estella slash now Cruella will take down the Baroness, but I don't think she's gonna kill her. I think she'll outsmart her and prevail, but if she full on murders another person, there's I mean, A, no way any children watching will be able to mentally recover, and B, there's no way audiences would be able to continue to sympathise and empathise with her, which is problematic considering her name is literally the title of the film. I mean, in other circumstances, we love a problematic, unreliable main character, but not in a Disney movie. That's a lot of mental and moral gymnastics that I don't think the under 12s are ready to execute. Also, If the Baroness dies, then that kills off any chance of Emma Thompson being in a potential sequel, which would be a dumb move. I also think at some point the Baroness will find out that Estella is Cruella. It's inevitable. There's pretty much nowhere else for the plot to go. That's gonna happen. You heard it here first. Actually, you probably heard it here last if you've already watched the second half of the film. And, just flagging this as a possibility, I think that Estella and one of her sidekicks, Jasper, could get together because there have been small hints and lingering glances, but I also don't know. If they do, I think it'll just seem super rushed, so I think if there's a sequel, that's when it will happen. And if it does happen then, I don't think that detracts from the feminist nature of the film, or the story arc, or the character arc. She can be a take-no-prisoners career woman and also fall in love, because that is the definition of postmodern feminism. Cruella, Estella, all of the above, can do it all. Now moving right along to most problematic moments... As always, I have if applicable in brackets because I don't want to be searching through this film with a fine-tooth comb like the annoying woke millennial that I'm supposed to be. So on the whole, I would say there are pretty much none. There is almost nothing on PC about this movie. Obviously, there are villains and depictions of good and evil and everything in between, but I think the movie makes it clear where the actions of every character lie morally because what is Disney if not didactic? I mean, in terms of casting, I guess it's a little white, but also at the same time, so is the original. And seeing as this is an origin story or prequel or whatever you want to call it, we can't really have characters changing race over time. And casting people of colour in roles that were written for white people in the original would completely come off as tokenistic overcorrection that I don't think anyone would appreciate or benefit from. The most un-PC thing about the film that I can clock is that the main source of the character Horace's comedy is, for lack of a more PC term, that jokes, which I think are almost entirely unnecessary in 2021. Actually, I'm going to correct myself. They are entirely unnecessary in 2021. Again, I know that this is in keeping with similar jokes made about the character in the original movie, and to be fair, none of the jokes in this film are overt or come from other characters making fun of Horace's appearance. It's more subtle, in that pretty much the only reasons you're supposed to find Horace funny in the film are when he's eating at inappropriate times, or talking with his mouth full, or upset about his bowl of cereal being knocked over. I just feel like in this day and age, a character can be comedic because of something other than the implication of their physical appearance, no matter how explicit or implicit the jokes may be. And that's my Red Hot Annoying Millennial take, I'll leave it there. Now on to what category of viewing is it? The three that I always lay out for myself are trash, meaning that it's a horribly made, horribly written, horribly created film, treasure, meaning that it's genuinely very well executed, or guilty pleasure, meaning that it's kind of a piece of trash, but I'm also very into it and want to see what happens next, and I feel guilty about that. Out of those three, I think it's pretty clear this is a treasure. I am a little bit surprised. Like I was saying before, I didn't properly see the ad before I started watching it, but I knew that the cast was iconic. However, with Disney live-action movies or live-action remakes, you just never know how it's gonna turn out. The Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, literally don't get me started. But this, I mean, obviously isn't in trash territory, but also isn't anywhere near being a guilty pleasure. It's a straight-up treasure of a film. An absolute cracker in all aspects. Great acting, great direction. The set and costumes, stunning. 10 out of 10. Some fun, snappy dialogue. It's super long, but every minute is compelling. Well, at least so far. And I really have very few bad things to say about it. It's a great film. So viewing style, who would I watch it with? Where would I watch it? And who would I not watch it with? AKA the least and most ideal viewing circumstances. I would say it has a very broad viewing audience, The death scene of Catherine at the beginning may be slightly harrowing for super young children in the same way that the Series of Unfortunate Events movie made me cry and leave the cinema when I was five. But there's nothing graphic or risque or inappropriate because at the end of the day, it is a Disney movie. But saying that, I wouldn't say it's strictly aimed at kids or actually necessarily aimed at kids at all. It's just a straight up good movie with enough action to satiate action fans and enough story and character development and solid writing to satiate people with good taste, no tino no shade, and a stunning aesthetic and epic soundtrack for people who literally just want a fabulous sensory experience and don't care what it is. So I'm struggling to think of anyone who wouldn't like this film. Also, the viewing circumstance is very versatile. It is an epic blockbuster, so I would recommend seeing it at the movies if you can, but in terms of who you watch it with, the options are endless. By yourself, with friends, with family, all of the above. If someone talks through it, you'll be able to keep up. Or, if you're in a room with awkward vibes and no one's speaking, it's compelling enough to hold everyone's interest and forget about the fact that you're with people who are boring. A guaranteed hit. So, penultimate question. Will I keep going with the rest of the film? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm obviously gonna keep going with the movie and I already want there to be a sequel. And then I'll continue with the rest of the franchise. Literally sign me up for a Cruella dynasty. I super wanna know what happens next. I also just wanna experience the rest of the film. I wanna see more aesthetic costumes and listen to some more bangers. I wanna be there for the whole experience. I feel like this is a movie that I already wanna rewatch. It's definitely not a one and done type situation. So rating out of five, I'm gonna give it a 4.5. I'm honestly hesitant to give anything a five because I don't know what I would classify as perfection, but this movie is pretty damn close. Purely from an objective perspective, because it ticks just about every box you can think of. Do I think it's going to be nominated for an Oscar? Nah. I mean, maybe for costume design, because as I said, honestly, breathtaking. But is it trying to be nominated for an Oscar? Also, no. It's got two Academy Award winning Emmas in it. What more could you ask for? So I would definitely recommend you go out and watch this movie. Try and catch it while it's still in cinemas. If not, sign up for a Premiere Disney Plus subscription if you're a millionaire. Or if all else fails, as always, the classic Putlocker slash 123 movies. And I think that's all I have for you. An overwhelmingly positive review. Thank you so much for listening. And I will be back next week where I will take on something that I have not picked yet because as always, I'm terrible at time management. Talk to you then. Bye.